Good day and welcome to Fab's Podcast, first one of the year 2022. I'm your host, as always, Freddie Boswell. Some wondering about Fab, what is that? That's Frederick Alvin Boswell, Jr., actually. So that's where the Fab comes from. Those of you who are with us during the month of December, we were doing Advent devotionals, but we've transitioned now in the new year to some interviews of very interesting people. And I think you're going to love our first guest. So glad you could join in on the Anchor Spotify app. Be sure and go by and leave a message of greetings, questions, or interaction on the Spotify app or on freddieboswell.com. So glad you could join in. As we start the new year, our first guest is Catherine Boswell. And yes, she has the last same last name as me. Um, you might have heard that name and already guessed. Well, she may be related to you. She is. She's my daughter, my last born child. Hey, Catherine, welcome. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> I'm so I'm so honored that you have me. I really am. This is going to be fun. It's going to be a blast. And uh, one reason I wanted to have you, Catherine, is because you have accomplished a lot in just a short time. And I think our audience is going to be thrilled with what you have to say and share. Catherine is a professional musical theater actress. And you live where? I live in New York City. Okay. And I don't think that's all you do. You've been in some film and TV, and we're going to get to that soon. And you've had an amazing, amazing life. And I, one reason I wanted to have you and interview you on the podcast is because I often run into people who say, when they find out that you're an actress in New York, they say, oh, you know, I was in a school play and I wanted to do that. Or, yeah, my daughter's in the sixth grade and she wants to go to New York to be an actress. Or... yes. Uh, my 15-year-old said Broadway's, Broadway is it for him or her, and that's all there is to it, and there's no turning back. And, um, Catherine, I want you to give us some, some realistic views of what's behind uh, your career, what's been going on. And if you don't mind, I am so delighted that you're here because we have a firsthand star. Yes, and I'm, 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 an, un, I'm an unashamed uh, father. Um, but glad to catch you over the Christmas break when you're able to spend some time with us. But you've you've had a leading role on Broadway, and not many people in the 20s have been able to say that. And you have um, had some amazing credits at a young age. But I think it would be really, really helpful for some folks out there to hear what it's like. Before we get into the actual uh, Broadway life, and uh, like I say, we'll get to some things you're transitioning to now. Uh, let's talk first about your background. What Really, when did you really feel like musical theater was for you? How did, how did you get your start? That's so interesting. First of all, I'm so honored to be here. I really am. And this is fun. I don't get to sit down and talk about this, especially with you. So I'm excited about this. This is really cool. And I think it is good to pull back the curtain sometimes. <laughs> That's such a cliche phrase, but there is so much that goes on behind the scenes. And there's a lot of grunt work that happens <laughs> to build a career in the arts and it's also a lot of fun but i'm just i'm excited to get into the nitty-gritty of it all um but you know it's interesting people ask me all the time when was the moment that you knew you wanted to do this professionally right and i don't think i can really pinpoint a moment okay. 
I know there are definitely shows that I saw that influenced me and had a really lasting impact, one of which you took me to see, which was My Fair Lady in Dallas at the um, Dallas Theater Center. Oh, yeah. And I remember I was really young. I think I was in the sixth grade. Um, and the show was in the round, and it was really interesting and different. It was a really unique take on My Fair Lady. And I remember thinking, this is really cool and interesting, and people are doing this for a living. Maybe I could do this for a living. Yeah. So there are definitely moments that have uh, impacted me. But I think, honestly, I look back, and you could probably speak more clearly about this, but I think growing up in the Solomon Islands, in that culture, which was such a storytelling culture, and the way it was built into the fabrication of daily life. Because after, you know, after the long day, they'd have dinner and then they'd have story time where everyone was story together. Sure. And I don't think I realized that until I visited the Solomon Islands when I was in college and I experienced it as an adult. But just the profound impact, what that might have done to my psyche when I was a kid, mm -hmm. this idea of sharing stories because we have to and because it's a necessity. It's a part of our life. It's a part of our daily life. So I think that honestly may have laid the foundation for me wanting to tell stories forever. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, growing up in an artistic family, um, what you might not know, listener, is that my dad <laughs> is an amazing actor and has written one-man plays and performed them and grew up singing. We had such a musical household. So I think these were just the bricks that were laying the foundation for me. And then I found myself um, back in Dallas after we moved back from the Solomon Islands. And I think I, I started doing it for fun because it was what we did. And then there were moments, like I just mentioned, My Fair Lady, where I was like, oh, sure. well, maybe I can do this and this sure. can be a career. I'd never considered that before until okay. I saw people doing it. That's a lot of information. No, that's, that's no, no, the, <laughs> the key angle there on how storytelling is built into your young life, how that storytelling bridged into uh, a career of storytelling. Yeah. Um, I remember, and you were speaking of, maybe I know more than you uh, regarding your young life with my perspective. I remember once we went to Kansas City and we're driving back, just you and I in a minivan. You put your <laughs> put your front seat back and you said, I'm going to sing every Broadway song I can think of. <laughs> so that was, that was pretty common. I do remember um, that. And uh, oh, man. also there's another key piece. Uh, you were involved in school plays for sure, but um, what about Cedar Valley Community College in Dallas, Dr. Sam Germany? I think, oh, yeah. I think um, that was very formative. Oh, they were. Yeah, that was definitely the moment where, you know, I think it's also one thing to just want, you know, sing to sing by yourself or to dance in your living room. But it's another thing to in, ingratiate yourself into a community. And that's a big word. I should say. I like it. Ingratiate. That's good. <laughs> it's for my first, linguist father. First time I've heard that today. Ingratiate. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Uh, I think it's interesting because what I found in within the Cedar Valley Community Theater, the Family Music Theater community, it's a lot of community, yeah. but it was a community and FMT. that FMT, <laughs> it was the first time that I felt like I belonged somewhere. And, you know, I, I'd done a lot of different things in school, sports and whatnot, speech and debate, choir, band, and I loved all of those things. But there was something different about being a part of a cast and being a part mm -hmm. of a group of people telling a story together. And specifically that community was so family, um, it was so family-like. I, I felt like I walked in and people knew me and really knew me. 
and were encouraging me. And I think that's the other piece of it. I had people like Dr. Sam who were affirming me and encouraging me to do more and more of this and helping me and telling me like, I can make you better. I can help you. I can do this. So it was the first time that I had people from everywhere kind of supporting me in that way. And cause I'd always gotten it from you guys at sure, home, Sure. but to have other outside people say, Hey, I think you could do this was really encouraging. And I think that was a moment where I was like, Oh, maybe I can, maybe I should try. Um, and definitely doc- formative. Yeah. yeah. And Dr. Germany was a professional voice instructor and I know he worked with you. That was a, yeah, that was a huge help. And oh, just yeah. real quickly, you were, you know, I just come up top of my head. You were in the King and I sound of music. Um, seven Brides or Seven Brothers, Cinderella, but it seemed, wasn't your first big lead, Beauty and the Beast? It was, freshman and year of high school. That kind of, that kind of turned the corner for you, I think. Yeah, that was, that was definitely the first one that, because I was only 14 when I was cast. Yeah. And it feels like I, now I feel like that is so young, but I felt so old then, mm-hmm. you know, I felt like I was really coming into my own. Right, right. <laughs> um, oh man, I would love to play that part again now that I'm a woman, but. Sure. It was definitely the first time that I felt, I actually remember one night before the show, I stepped outside because there was a beautiful little back alleyway and I just looked up at the stars and I just kind of breathed in that moment. And I remember thinking, this is right where I belong. And that, that is something again, that I'd never felt before. And it wasn't, a, it wasn't not like I, I belong on stage. I'm, you know, it was more just like, this feels right. You know, I'm not, it's, it wasn't a, a testament to my what do I, how do I explain this? Like my gifts. It wasn't about that. It was more just like, this feels like this is where I should be regardless of any outside, you know, forces or talent or whatever. It wasn't about the talent. It was about being a part of that community that felt so right. That's good. Yeah. Big community, big support, lots of encouragement, Yeah. very affirming and it sets you on the path. And then, and it was also fun. I mean, that's the thing. I think like, you know, and that's what I tell people all the time now, too, is I think it's so serious now trying to be uh, an actor and everyone and there is a level of dedication that is required. And, you know, when you're young, it's easier to think you can conquer the world. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also supposed to be fun. And I think that is something that is really hard to hold on to. But if we can all hold on to it when we get older, the sense of play and the sense of joy. And that is what I remember most about those shows is just how much fun they were and how yeah, how I could not wait to spend my entire evening from the time right. I got out from school until midnight doing this with these people because it was so much fun. That's a, that's a great word. I remember you were in High School Musical. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, all of these seem, I just mentioned that, all of these seem to build upon each other, which led you to apply to a number of musical theater schools, and you ended up at the best, or at least one of the best, depends it's on who you talk to, yeah. uh, College Conservatory of Music at the University of Cincinnati. What was what was it like to go through the audition process to get into musical theater school? Ooh, uh, I mean, you What's, also know, yes. What, what is what is unified? Yeah, uh, so auditioning for musical theater, I think it's even gotten crazier from what my friends tell me. They coach people now, and back in the day, even still, you had to audition. Most people were auditioning for anywhere from five schools to 15 schools. Whoa. And now I hear the average is 20. Whoa. So anywhere from 15 <laughs> to 30. Some kids, that's what I hear, which is crazy to me mm. because I auditioned, I think for seven 
and I did five of those auditions at Unifieds, which is what you mentioned. So it was over the course, I did five auditions for five different schools over the course of two days yeah, in Chicago. In Chicago, okay. Yeah. Well. And so they have everybody packed into uh, the Palmer House was the hotel. Palmer House, Chicago. <laughs> Feature, featured in the music man yeah oh <laughs> uh, and what a beautiful hotel it was it was such a whirlwind um i could not have done it without you guys though uh you and mom you guys were champs taking me up to chicago in the middle of winter <laughs> into the palmer house but it was it was interesting and uh you know you pre prepare certain cuts for certain schools so 32 bars for one school or 16 bars for a different school so I had different cuts for each song for each different school. I had different kind of monologues for different schools because some schools wanted a Shakespeare, some wanted a contemporary monologue. Some, so you're kind of trying to like keep a file folder with all your different audition materials and pray that you do the right one at the right audition. <laughs> right. Um, but what's crazy is I really, out of all the auditions I did that weekend, I really felt like I bombed my CCM audition. That was the one that I was so convinced I did not get into. And what, what, why do you think you bombed it? Oh, it was it was just flat. I mean, I think I was a little flat on the songs. I cracked on one of the songs in a really big way. Um, was your energy level down? Sounded like a pretty intense time. Yeah, that was. I think the fourth. To, so it was the fourth audition out of five. So it was towards the end and I'd really given my all for the Michigan and the Carnegie Mellon and these other ones that came before and I was just tired and I think you know you get there and you're so geared up for this kind of moment but then all of a sudden it's like make or break and you know that and you only have two minutes to showcase what you can do so there's a lot of pressure and I think I was just feeling it and that's probably why I cracked and why, you know, I did all these things that I really wish I hadn't. But in some ways, I can look back on most of the auditions of my life and I realize that the times when I'm not my best or sometimes when I'm the most human. And I think yeah. there's something to be said for the authenticity that might come through in those moments. And it's really easy for me to beat myself up for that kind of stuff. Sure. But I, yeah, it may have actually made me given me a chance to show, show myself more because it was more authentic. <laughs> right, sure. It's a little humbling. <laughs> yeah, sure. And then Cincinnati made you an offer. Yeah. And that was your first choice? It was. Okay. okay, good. So you got your first choice. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I did also, I was really, you know, there's so many schools that are so yeah. great. How, how did but... you feel that Cincinnati was a good fit for you just from the distance? Well, yeah, I had friends who'd gone there, which... Okay. I think, especially in this business, I just, I didn't know very much about what I was getting myself into. So all the research I did was watching YouTube videos yeah. and talking to people who'd been there. My friend Josh, who I did speech and debate with in high school, one of my acting partners, oh, yeah. sure. went to CCM. Sure. My friend Alicia, who I did choir with, went to CCM. So I knew that good people went there. Yeah, right. <laughs> people I trusted. That's important. Yeah. yeah. And they seemed to be loving it. Um... And then when I visited, it just sealed the deal because it was it was another moment where, like the alley at Beauty and the Beast, <laughs> where I just felt like I was in the right place at the right time. And it was, um, I like to call them pockets of grace. Uh -huh, <laughs> sure, so, sure. So silly and That's cliche, good. but I think sometimes we find ourselves in those moments where things just feel right and you just, you're grateful for them. So I was trying to sit in that. Let me get. Let me give you the father's perspective, oh, and uh, maybe some of the listeners will appreciate this. Um, 
my wife and I dropped her off after spending a few days there in Cincinnati. And I can remember going back to the hotel and sobbing myself to sleep <laughs> on my pillow saying, I don't know these people I'm leaving her with. <laughs> so if we have any young ladies, young men who are listening to this, really excited, this is great. I'm sure my parents are going to share my joy. Your parents are going to be sad to leave you they, <laughs> because you're embarking on a, on a life-changing trip. And I just want you to know they have helped you follow and fulfill your dreams, but uh, they're also feeling it personally. This, you're listening to Fab's podcast. I'm your host, Freddie Boswell. We're talking with Catherine Boswell, Broadway actress. And uh, I want us to, um, to transition a bit uh, from the audition at Cincinnati. Just uh, give me one or two things you learned at Cincinnati that just a couple of highlights that come to mind that prepared you uh, for your professional career. And I still remember... Um, I still remember your lead professor saying um, the night of your senior showcase, you talk, he talked about, it was Aubrey. Oh, yeah. Bubba. Uh, Bubba. Aubrey said, um, as they begin their professional careers, I can still hear him and remember him saying that. I thought, whoa, <laughs> this is the real deal. They're beginning their professional careers. Um, as you look back on four years at CCM, what are a couple of things that stand out to you as you may not have known it at the time, but very preparatory for you in, in moving to New York because you moved to New York right after you graduated? Yeah. I feel like we could have a whole podcast about my time at CCM. Well, we, we could do that. Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting. I, what's great about that program, actually, the fact that you mentioned that is really important the professional career, because I think what's great about CCM is that I felt like a student. And I think some programs treat their kids like they are, it, it feels a lot of the time like you are already in the real world right. in a way that um, CCM felt like a safe place to fail, which I think is really important when you're learning because the point of learning is to try things and to get it wrong so you know how to do it right. And I always felt like I could fail um, as long as I tried something. You know, if it didn't work, then it was okay. But I tried it. And okay. I think it was a place that pushed me to do that and pushed me to always try new things. Um, <laughs> on the same, you know, in the same breath, it also was a place that had really high standards. <laughs> right. Because they expected you to start your professional career the day you exited that program. So right. I think there was always this level of, professionalism within the student atmosphere so you know they treated you like you were the cream of the crop and there was a certain expectation with that um, but I think that was good for me because it really pushed me and again I was surrounded by people I mean still to this day my friends sing for me and it makes me cry because they're so good <laughs> and I can't believe that I was just you know I waltzed into a classroom with these voices and these um, these abilities surrounding me and I think that's that's really what pushed me to be better was seeing them uh, every single day. We watched each other. We were in, mm -hmm. it was like a masterclass with these other people every single day, the, the same people. So we watched each other grow. We grew with each other. I will say the training at CCM, I can speak to a couple things. One was Richard Hess's acting class freshman year, okay. which to this day, Richard, you'll probably never hear this, but if he ever does, 
Richard is somebody who just believes in people and he says yes to people and to things. And to have somebody, you know, you waltz into a school like this and you are a freshman in a very, very big pond, you're small fish. And he really saw people and he really gave us a strong foundation to feel the feet on our gr- on the ground, like to just really feel your feet on the ground and understand that you are enough and that is all you need to be. And I think without that foundation to then go into a, several other acting classes, I wouldn't have been able to um, find my authentic voice and who I wanted to be as an artist. I think that was a really strong foundational um, artist in society uh, perspective, if you will, okay. which was really valuable. And then, you know, you yeah. learn, you learn certain tap moves from Patty James and, you know, right. all the, all this, the tools that I needed were yeah. definitely, um, useful, but it's really the life lessons that I learned from several teachers that I'm going to okay. carry with me. And, you know, you think about like, we learned tactics with Aubrey Berg, but I've, what's interesting about that kind of class and acting class is what it is, is that it teaches you that, people are acting in life. Uh-huh. And so I learned how to observe people and to be a people watcher professionally, which has really influenced the way that I, you know, draw on characters and get research for certain characters, and things like that, just sure. because I realized that everyone's an actress right? <laughs> to sure. some degree, you know, sure. so there are just, there are definitely these moments being in school plays. I mean, there are certain, certain shows for sure. When we did chess, which was a really cool mm-hmm. senior year, getting all the research for that and playing characters that were based on real people. There's something right. about that. That's really, Evita was really interesting drawing oh, yeah. on Ava Perone. And there were several shows that stand out like that is really educational, but um, shaping as well. But I yeah, honestly, the whole arch of it all, truthfully, um, CCM taught me that I am capable of more than I thought I was. <laughs> okay, great. Because you're so busy. You're doing a million things from 8 a.m. until midnight, and you're trying to balance academia life with also all the plays you're in and also, you know, working and um, doing homework. And it's just, it's a lot, memorizing six monologues every night. And, yeah, it's crazy. And you carried a huge load as a, as a student, resident advisor. Uh, just, I mean, your class was, what, 20? Yeah. We graduated yeah. 16. So graduated really 16. Yeah very select group and um, a lot of demands. It's probably, when I, as I listen to you, it sounds like a lot of things in life. You're, you're learning things, you're absorbing things, you're getting some key inputs, but you may not realize it till a bit later. Yeah. And uh, that seems to be part of our pattern of learning, doesn't it? So yeah. um, that's a, that's a good story. I like that. Um, so you finished at CCM and you took your showcase to New York. So that's, is that part of the standard process? And then what happens? What's a showcase and how do you get from showcase to job? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, so I think, I'm sure it's evolved since COVID even. I've watched showcases online and I think there's now a virtual showcase for a lot of schools because yeah. of COVID. But okay. back in the day, the only <clears throat> way to showcase was to graduate and then you fly on a plane with all your friends and you show up in New York City and you showcase in front of agents and managers and casting directors. So usually there's about a hundred that come and you perform in this theater. Uh, depends what space right. is available, but yeah. um, you do two songs. It's like a real live New York theater. It's just like a real live theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And uh, you did two. We did two songs each. We I mean, we spent all year working on this right. showcase. And so it was, it was written by the students. Yeah, but songs from shows. So we just kind of pieced them together to make sort of a through line, and it was just kind of your audition within the show for right. everybody. Yeah. And then after that, we would get a list of the agents and managers that were interested in us and wanted a meeting. So they were in attendance at the showcase. Right. And they all got packets, and they could check off who they wanted to see. Yep. Um, so we got all of that information after showcase and nice. the next few weeks we spent meeting with agents or managers and um, it's my, it was my first time running around the city to random offices that, you know, some are on the east side, some are way downtown, some are in, you know, the theater district. They're kind of all over and everybody's so different. It was a really interesting learning experience for me just uh, sitting in those meetings and asking the questions and trying to find the right fit. Um, but I, I ended up with a great, with a great agent, CGF and they're wonderful, wonderful guys. Uh, as soon as I met Joel at the agency, Joel Carlton, I knew that okay. I wanted to sign with him because he was, he was so kind and authentic. And so they're the ones who started sending me in for auditions and okay. they were the ones who got me in front of those casting directors and some casting directors from showcase would contact you about an audition um, they like to see the new cream of the crop and bring them in. <laughs> Good. But usually all the auditions I got were through my agent who I got from the showcase. So there's all these stepping stones that kind of bring you along the way um, to the big show. <laughs> that sounds stressful to me to be <laughs> going to these lot. auditions. I mean, uh, that sounds stressful. But but having an agent meant you didn't have to wait in line, right? You had an appointment. Right. right. So, yeah, I've definitely been I've definitely gone to open calls and there are many open calls you can go to. Right. Um, and I've done that and I think it's something that everybody should do because it's really interesting. Even me? Even you, Dad. Okay, There's good. a spot for you. There's a place for you. <laughs> good, okay. Serious, I'm heading up. Do it. <laughs> Making a reservation. I think you should. No, it's fun. It's, it's really cool. And honestly, it's so, it's fun to be there with all your friends sometimes. And a bit. there's a lot that can be said for those calls. And I have friends who've booked really big, big jobs out of those calls. It just kind of depends on what they're looking for. Um, but it takes up a lot of time. So I was really fortunate to have an agent who would get me in for these auditions. So I would have a set time and I would have material that they would have sent me and it was very organized. And then I show up and do it and then leave. So it was a lot more time efficient and a lot easier. Um, but they're both, there's value in both. And I think, again, everyone should go to an open call. I really do think you should go Okay. next time you're there. Thank you. Let's do it. <laughs> now, that's, uh, that's all very interesting. I want to I want to finish this podcast, and we'll transition to the one for next week. But I want to finish this podcast. After listening to you talk about agents, auditions, made a big splash in New York, several agents were interested. It sounds like, if someone just listening <laughs> might think, wow, she auditioned, she got hired, and she never had to take another kind of job. She just walked right into the big, big time. Is that how it works? <laughs> no. <laughs> Did you do anything else besides acting? Your college degrees in acting. Yeah. <laughs> so did you put your degree to immediate use? What happened? I did not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a big misconception. And I think from a lot of young people, too, myself included, I think we all think we're going to waltz in. Okay take the city by storm, but no, I worked in a restaurant and I babysat. What does, what does working in a restaurant mm -hmm. mean? Was that? I was a hostess for three hours a night, six. <laughs> um, when it's all said and done with transit, about seven, seven. So about seven hours of your transit. Evening. That sounds like across town. Mm -hmm. yeah. Taking the train. 
Um, paying rent. Paying rent. Yep. <laughs> making rent. And making rent. <laughs> barely. And yep. <laughs> also babysitting after school for kids. Um, and then auditioning, which is a full-time job. So that was my first year out of college was just auditioning, working as a hostess and babysitting. And it was really eye-opening. Um, it's, you know, again, it's encouraging to be in those rooms, but it's also really, it's hard. It's hard to constantly face rejection, even still. I mean, we're not talking about my career right now, but I feel like I've had a, a great career and I'm really fortunate, but even still, I've had a hundred auditions this year. I tallied it up and I have booked two of those. Whoa. So, you know, yeah. even a success, I mean, I say quote unquote, I don't know what success means. In 2021, but... you did a hundred auditions and booked two. Yeah. Wow. But even, but still booking two is great. You know, like that's a really good, yeah, that, boy. that counts as success. So it's so interesting because I think we can talk about the idea of success and sure. what that means, but that's as a working actress. Yeah. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say that, um, there are a number of people in life who are not built for rejection in this particular, this field sounds like it's full of it. Yeah. And as we'll talk about in the next podcast, you've had some really good success at a young age, but I'm going to guess with all those looking for work in acting business in New York, not everybody's successful, even though they've been well-trained, they've been to good schools, oh, yeah. they, they were in every musical in high school and so on and so on. But it, it sounds like dealing with rejection is a big factor. Yeah. It is, and you know, I think it's the unglamorous part that we don't talk about a lot, but I think, honestly, much like life, I think sometimes we learn more from our failures, mm -hmm. <laughs> this goes mm -hmm. back to that, but sure. than from our successes, and I think every time that I have um, not gotten the job has mm -hmm. been just as, uh, you know, just as important as the times that I have, because it's taught, it's taught me a lot about myself, and yeah. I think it's really important to be able to handle that um, if you're going to enter this kind of business, but it doesn't make it easy. <laughs> sure. It's always really hard still. Yeah. But it's a part of life and it's definitely a muscle to exercise. And okay. I, I'm grateful that I'm, I'm able to exercise it more often than some other people. It makes oh, you flexible. I like that metaphor. Yeah. But probably, I'm going to guess, probably you're doing, you know, you're doing hostessing and you do babysitting things you didn't have to go to four years of college for. Right. We appreciate our hostesses and appreciate our babysitters, but yet we do. it's outside of your field of study yeah. and expertise and interest. And where you have a lot of agents showing interest, but you're just not landing the job. And I, I'm wondering, and we'll, we'll wrap up the podcast with this one. Um, I'm wondering, were there days you thought, eh, I just don't think I'm going to do this anymore. It's just too stressful. I can't. I'm not making a headway. Or did you have a perspective that said, I knew coming in there'd be a lot of rejection. I'm going to keep knocking. It's going to open. I don't know when. Yeah. What, what, what do you go through emotionally? What can, <laughs> what can you say to young people who are listening to prepare themselves for this? Yeah. I think that, I think you experience every emotion. So I would say that there were moments where I felt like it was impossible and like it was a silly dream and why did I even pursue it in the first place right. and then there were moments that I you know you when you don't get it and it's down to you and one other person and you just you I would just I would sit back and I could be really frustrated but instead I was like no next time it might be me so you know there were there were moments when I felt like really hopeful 
And then there were moments that it was really discouraging. And I, especially when you're working till 1am at a restaurant, that is not what you, not what you really dreamt as your future, your ideal future. Um, learning to be present in those moments and learning how to be content in those moments, I also think was really valuable in my life. And, you know, a lot of my, I've had several friends who have been so, and I mean, wonderfully employed since the day they graduated. Some people do walk into a job immediately and that is amazing. And I, I think it's incredible, but I also want to speak to this because if you're going to be an artist, I think it's important to know that your career is not necessarily going to be linear. Right. And good, so, good point. you know, if you waltz into a job right out of college, it means that maybe three years from then you might have a, you know, a moment where you're not employed and you might have this moment 10 years from the first time you get a job. So it just, there is going to be a moment where you're facing rejection and you're understanding what it's like to have to make ends meet a different way. And I think it was valuable to have that starting out because it has made me so appreciative of sure. every job I've gotten since. Anytime I get to do what I love, I know that's the ultimate privilege and I'm really grateful for it. I think because I didn't get it immediately um, per se, but yeah, you right. know. And I, I want to ask you this thought before I lose it. Do you have to train yourself to say, it's not about me. It's not that I'm not a good actress. It's not that I don't know my field. I don't know what I'm doing. It's I didn't get the role because I wasn't what the director was looking for. They were looking for a certain profile, whatever, and I didn't have it. It's not about me personally. Totally. Okay. <laughs> Which I think is really, it's hard when you put so much of you into, you know, into your artistry because I think you have to. And, you know, everyone says walk into the room with yourself and, you know, bring right. yourself to it. And so it's really hard to separate that from the decision making. But as somebody who's also gotten to sit behind the table and watch people audition sometimes, I understand now that it really is not about the performer. Um, and I've had to tell myself that. There have been times that I haven't gotten a job. I've gotten feedback from my agent or manager saying, you know, they really liked you, but um, you remind them of the director's ex-wife, so he doesn't want to cast you. <laughs> that's, that, <laughs> and, that's harsh. You know, things like that where, like, it really, you have no control over that. Um, no, totally. Yeah, there's just, there, it, there, it could be something like that. It could be something so small. It, it's just, it's not about you. And so I've definitely had to detach myself from that. But it's challenging when you do try to bring yourself to something like that, to an audition specifically. And you know, hope that what you are bringing is what they want, but I've learned to not take it personally. Okay. Good point. I like it. Um, we're going to transition there to our next podcast. Hope you come back for our next segment. We'll be talking about the glamorous and perhaps <laughs> not so glamorous life of uh, Broadway with Catherine, who's been in a leading role on Broadway <laughs> and has been in a number of Broadway shows. We want to hear what life is like for her uh, as an actress, as a swing, and all that's been involved. Catherine, it's been a great, great intro, and I loved hearing your background. Uh, thanks for sharing. And uh, Thank you, Dad. It's been fun. Uh, hope our listeners will be sure and send us a message through the Anchor Spotify app or through freddieboswell.com. And we'll say so long until next time. This is your host, Freddie Boswell and Fab's Podcast. Thanks to our special guest, Catherine Boswell. <laughs> and uh, we'll catch you next time as we talk about Catherine's uh, the beginning of her Broadway career and things she learned there. You're Thanks so, for joining. You're so cool. See you next time. Bye. <laughs>